The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to America today where we're going to check in with Eagle Mountain on what they've been up to at their Oracle Ridge project in Arizona. About 30 clicks as the crow flies from Tucson. Now, we followers of the stock would know that they've been uh, very busy drilling away and uh, it's what we've arrived at today is a mineral resource increase, uh, long expected. So, Without uh, messing around too much, I'll hand straight over to Tim Mason, the CEO, to give us a rundown on today's announcement on the uh, MRE increase. G'day, Tim. Welcome to the show, and thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks very much, Barry. Thanks for having me. Uh, very fortuitous. You've uh, just announced the JORC, and importantly, a stock exchange mineral resource estimate. Now, we know that Oracle's uh, had that 180 thousand odd tons of uh, copper there in the past but today's increase is uh, quite substantial so uh, give us a rundown on what you've just announced. Yeah thanks very much Barry. So it's quite a significant upgrade to our existing uh, Jork resource at our Oracle Ridge project and Oracle Ridge was an old mine it was mined back in the in the mid 90s um, it had done a little bit of work by a TSX group um, before we took the reins of it and but I guess we've come in with a different approach and saw there was a lot more mineralisation to be to be found and, and built out. Um, and then there's also the, the potential of quite big systems over there, which is it's just very common with a lot of the other major mines around Arizona. But what we've announced uh, yesterday was the ex- first expansion of the, the Jork resource, which encompassed drilling, which we started back in September 2020. You know, and albeit we, we started drilling off quite slowly, um, you know, just on 20 days per month, but then we've ramped up to three rigs. Um, so some of the headline numbers, we've taken the resource from 12 million tonnes up to 17 million tonnes, which is nearly 70,000 tonnes more copper uh, contained, and there's some pretty impressive gold and silver uh, numbers in there. So overall, about 36% more copper with 59 holes. Um, now, it's quite interesting and quite phenomenal that since we've finished drilling, or when, since... This resource had 59 holes in it, but we've already drilled another 60 holes uh, waiting on assays um, at the moment. So we've actually got more holes sort of in the bank than what we actually put out in this resource. So we're already working towards our next update, uh, which we expect to have over 100 holes in it uh, for later this year. Okay, roughly the fourth quarter of this year. That's right, yeah. So Q4, we'll get out the next resource is is what's planned. Um, And that's a combination of both expanding and upgrading the resource. Um, and what we want to do, we've defined a, a measured resource for the first time. We don't want to end up just with all inferred resources here. We've got, we've got to have a you know, combination of indicated measured. And if you've got to have feasibility studies, you know, it needs to be underpinned by indicated and measured resources, those higher confidence categories, as you know. So the actual numbers was uh, 250,000 tonnes of contained copper, 8.2 million ounces of silver, and 93,000 ounces of gold. Now, one of the... Uh, the interesting things about the project, of course, is that um, you can, uh, just with a modest uh, decrease in your cutoff grade, uh, can have a major impact on the contained tonnes. 
Yeah, that, that's right. So when you're getting to do your feasibility studies, that puts it well over 300,000 tonnes. So as you said, going from a cutoff grade of 1 to a cutoff grade of 0.8, you go from 17 to 26 million tonnes. So, you know, that's a, that's a significant increase just with a fairly modest uh, reduction in your cutoff grade. Now, that's interesting because as you see these copper prices, you know, now over $10,000 a tonne, you know, naturally you think that it's, it's you drop your cutoff grade and you could be mining some slightly lower grade material, but could, with, this, with a massive increase in how much contained copper that you've actually got. So we've re- re- reported both and um, we've really just got to get into doing the, some feasibility studies to understand what's the sweet spot for mining this. Uh, obviously a high-grade operation in the past. Um, so the intention long-term uh, would be to, uh, well, obviously set that cutoff grade at the right level. But we are talking now, you use the uh, US, dollar, uh, US dollars a tonne price, but you're, you're operating in America, so we'll go with the US $4.60 a pound price for copper, um, which is uh, up from uh, US $4.28 a pound last year and up 51% on the average in 2021. So good time to be uh, building up a a resource base and uh, looking at production down the line. Exactly right. And look, I think, you know, the copper price is going to, it's got certainly plenty of strength in the short to medium term. You know, the mines, you know, generally aren't that elastic to respond to higher, you know, the commodity prices to start pushing out, you know, um, more copper. So look, there's a a big push towards decarbonisation, as we all know. It requires base metals and copper is absolutely integral to be able to do that. So um, there's a strong demand for copper and where's it coming from? There's a lack of major discoveries around the world. Um, so I think we're in a pretty good position on that front. Now, in the past, uh, you have referred to a expiration targets, something that just, just can't be made up. It has to be uh, soundly based for the exchange to allow you to announce it. And that was 14 to 29 million tonnes at 1.1 to 1.7, I think it was. Is that uh, still in place or have you increased it or what's the story there? No, no, that's still in place. So th- this is really proving that the expiration target is real um, and we're working towards, you know, those sorts of numbers. So getting up towards, you know, and those numbers you just quoted excluded the resource at the time of 12 million tonnes. So, you know, up to about 40 million tonnes is where mm. we um, we can see that there's uh, certainly the potential and the strike rate which we're getting. It's like outside the resources, more than 90% of our holes is hitting mineralisation. It's, yeah. it's, it's quite remarkable um, and we're just getting great results um, quite consistently. So... Um, yeah, no, no, that expiration target is very real and um, we're working towards that. All right. Um, what can we say about how many tonnes you think you'll need to have a, a real project on your hands? Yeah, it's a good question. So this was a mine which was last mined in the mid-90s at sort of 250 to 300,000 tonnes a year. So quite, quite a small little operation. It was mostly mined by development. You know, there's about six dopes in the mine. Um, so they got a reasonable tonnage out, um, even just from the development. But how the ore body is positioned, uh, it's a series of stacked loads. It's close to the surface, um, and a lot of it's quite accessible from the existing development. I can see that we can get this up to a much higher production rate. So you can get our unit costs right down, uh, and we can be producing more, you know, copper per annum. Now, you know, that might be in the order of about, you know, one and a half to two million tonnes per year. And if you want to try and get a uh, you know eight to ten year mine life, which is a quite a nice sweet spot for you know getting a good 
IRR and MPV, um, you know, we need to build our resource base up. You know, and we're certainly on track for that. So, you know, that's sort of getting up into the 15, you know, even 20 million tonnes of, of resource uh, in the indicated and measured categories. Well, one of the interesting things you're doing too is uh, going back uh, underground to, uh, well, check things out apart from anything else, but also to provide underground drilling platforms. So just give investors a feel for what's the benefits of having underground drilling platforms. Quite simply, it's shorter hole lengths, which makes it a lot cheaper, efficient and faster to upgrade your resource. Um, so we've got about 18 kilometres of existing development and the vast majority of that, like more than 90% of it, is, is accessible. Uh, we need to do a bit of work to, to bring it up to, to standard, you know, some, some check scaling and bolting to make sure it's uh, to the modern day. But it's, you know, it's dewatered, you know, the ground conditions are very, very good. And importantly, a lot of the resource is proximal to the existing development. So uh, getting into underground, um, you know, we've got to get the fans back up and going, the electrical systems back up and going, pumping systems, all those sorts of things. Um, and it's going to expedite our ability to upgrade this resource uh, faster. And especially in those high confidence categories that I mentioned before, you know, that's you just have to have that to underpin your feasibility studies. So faster, more efficient. And the other thing which is quite important is when you're drilling the shorter hole, we're drilling out indicated measured, you've got a higher density of drilling uh, and the drill accuracy is quite important too. Absolutely. I'd hate to think what 18Ks of uh, kilometres of development would uh, cost nowadays if you were starting from scratch. You got any rough feel for that? Oh, I used to work on a rule of thumb about $5,000 a metre. So if you do your sums on that, you know, things have gone up since then. Uh, you know, that's pushing about $100 million, you know, and it's in the right spot, which is so important uh, that it's, it's where you really need to have it. By opening up the underground as well, it's kind of a phase one not kind of, it is a phase one, to enable us to then go and put a future drill drive in, which could double as a decline down towards the south where we've been getting some really spectacular results. You know, 20, 30 metres at 2 to 3% copper. Um, we've been getting some great hits down there. Uh, so to drill that out, it makes sense to be able to get a drill drive down there uh, as well. So no decisions been made on that just yet, but phase one, let's get into the existing underground and then we can... Um, position ourselves to put that drill drive, in, drill drive in later on. You'd be tempted as you go along to uh, perhaps take some bulk samples as well? Yeah, we'll take bulk samples. The, there was an old mill on site. So, you know, we have the old records on the metallurgy and it produced a, a bulk copper, silver, gold concentrate. Um, it had good recoveries, uh, no deleterious elements to it. Um, so that works quite nicely. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. Can we improve on it? Uh, can we improve our understanding of the metallurgy? It's it's right there uh, to be able to take some some samples, which will be very very good. You know, uh, you know the challenging thing. I think I'd be keen to go and probably take a bit of ore and try and send it up to the local concentrator and make some money at the same time. But <laughs> we'll have to see. at these sort of prices. So there's uh, plenty of uh, smelters in that part of the world. Yeah, there's three smelters uh, capable of taking uh, concentrates uh, in Arizona. So you know, this isn't talking about necessarily shipping concentrates, you know, halfway around the world like many other projects. Uh, there's there's one smelter, uh, it's about 70 miles north of us. It's called the Hayden Smelter. So that's a, that's a great position. And that's what you get in Arizona. It's a, a mining-friendly jurisdiction, you know, with all the mining services that you need, you know, because there is a lot of copper in Arizona, um, big projects. 
Uh, Oracle Ridge is said to be a magnetite-rich scar. Um, so I'm just wondering if magnetic surveys over time given you a sense of uh, how big the footprint might be beyond, obviously, the resource you've outlined to date and what might, uh, obviously, the old-timers didn't get around to having a look at. Yeah, that's that's right. So a lot of the ore at Oracle Ridge is associated with magnetite, so it is a really good indicator. Now, it's not all the ore, so there is some plenty of mineralisation there which doesn't have it, but... Uh, but short of that, it, it is it is great, and that's what we've used to define our exploration target is a is a magnetic signature, and uh, yeah, it works quite well. There's a number of old little mines, uh, you know, around the existing workings, you know, quite high, very some of them are spectacular grades, um, and what we've done recently is. Uh, done a lidar survey to go and accurately, you know, send the drone in and, and map some of these old workings. And now we can use those as exploration targets as well because some of those are on, on magnetic anomalies too. So, uh, you know, they're very good um, prospective targets for us and, and we'll go and drill those as well. So the magnetics is helping on that front too. Now, um, in my reading uh, last year, I, uh, my ears got interested in uh, Oryx, O-R-E-X, um, a scar below the le- leatherwood uh, structure. And now that's... Is that permitted yet to be drilled or what's the story there? We, uh, we're waiting on permits uh, to go and drill that. It's a very exciting target in our mind. Um, while we're talking about the permits, you know, we would be expecting to receive those in the, in the coming weeks uh, and if not a month or two. Um, so for the listeners there who don't know much about it, um, the mineralisation at Oracle Ridge is hosted within the within limestone, some of them which have been marbleized, and underneath there's a, a granitic intrusion. Um, we call it the leatherwood, and we've found a lot of new zones of mineralisation along the upper contact of where this intrusions come through uh, and hit these limestones. Now, the mineralisations come through after that intrusion. Now, the theory that we had was, well, if there's mineralisation above the contact, why isn't there mineralisation also below the contact? So we went and saw where that outcrops and lo and behold, over about four kilometres, everywhere which was exposed had quite strong outcropping mineralisation. And there was a bunch of old mine workings along that contact as well. We ran the geophysics over it. And again, there's a quite a strong geophysical anomaly dipping back down into the hill, quite shallow sort of dipping. Um, but it extends in that signature on a, on a very, very large area. So over uh, it outcrops over about four kilometres and the prospective area is about one and a half kilometres by three kilometres. So, you know, we could fit, you know, a number of kind of another Oracle ridges in there uh, as per, you know, we could say. Um, so we're very excited to go and drill that, you know, seeing that we know that there's strong magnetic anomalies, there's outcropping high-grade mineralisation. You know, a lot of the rock chips are going, you know, 6 to 10% copper. You know, it's quite phenomenal sort of grades. So very, uh, very, very prospective in our minds. So that's the plan is to, we've got to keep building out these blue sky opportunities. Um, we know we're in elephant country where you get major systems um, and, you know, but in the meantime, we've also got a very good project close to the surface, high grade, which we'll keep on drilling out. Hey, you're talking about elephant country. I think Marensi's in that part of the world, isn't it? 6.4 billion tonnes of uh, copper mineralisation. Phenomenal, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's um, 
up to the northeast of us. <clears throat> very, very big project, Marinci. Um And, yeah, there's resolutions up north of us as well. That's uh, about 150 kilometres north of us. So that's about uh, 1.8 billion tonnes at about 1.5% copper. Yeah, the one that Rio and BHP would uh, like to develop at some stage. <clears throat> to, yeah, okay. The other upside story with this the company, of course, is uh, the porphyry potential at depth. Is that a uh, focus this year or are you going to be so busy at Oracle Ridge? Uh, well, the, the upper mineralisation, for want of a better expression. Yeah, the, the there is definitely the big system potential. We've done a bit of drilling around us and, you know, some people say, oh, just go and start putting in deep holes, but it's not a very prudent approach. So, you know, we've, we've been building out our structures. We're doing more geophysics. We're going to be doing some IP surveys very shortly uh, in some prospective areas to add the various layers to our targeting. So, you know, you've got to understand your structures. Now, when we took over this project, now this is quite a, an amazing, we still shake our heads at this. There was over 500 holes had been put into this project before us and none had ever been orientated. Now, if did that in Australia, I think you'd be shot as a geologist because <laughs> structural geology is so important, but it hadn't been done. So, you know, I guess we're coming in and these are the opportunities that we see. Well, no one's actually gone and had that big look at it that we understand. So we're doing a lot of work on, on structural modelling. We've got some great experts who are helping out with, with vectoring. Uh, we're doing uh, full suites of uh, geochemistry. Again, that hadn't been done, you know, a lot of it had just been around the copper, silver, gold because that's what they knew. But they hadn't done all those minor elements, which are, you know, as you know, so important for vectoring uh, towards big systems. I was going to say for those listeners who might not know what, you know, when geologists use that term orientated, what, the, what does it actually mean? Yeah, yeah. So you obviously put your hole down and they'll drill down and they'll survey it. So they know where the holes are but they also have to orientate which way the core's going. So then you can take your structural measurements. So unless you orient your core and put your lines down on your core, you lose that uh, positioning. So then you can never actually get a, an accurate uh, reading of what your structures are. And then what you do is you take those all those readings and then you put them into a global 3D structural model so you can see where potential fluid pathways may have come from, which are the good, which are great indicators of, you know, where a deeper system might be coming from. They did that 500 times, you think, <laughs> or didn't do, it five, didn't do it 500 times. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so we're obviously orientating all the core. Okay, and question we always uh, like to ask, of course, is uh, what's the cash position for this uh, push in 22? Yeah, so at the end of December, we had $11 million. Um, we, uh, you know, the, the burn rate's been about $6 million, uh, Aussie a quarter. Um, so, yeah, like every other, you know, explorer out there, we will have a requirement for more capital at the right time. But, you know, we're, we're tracking quite well. Um, what we've done recently is because we've had such a, uh, a rapid increase in our drilling, we've got a great backlog of assays yeah, to the tune where we've put out a resource of 59 holes and now we've already got 60, you know, pending and we're adding to it quite quickly. So we've taken off one rig. Um, and we're diverting those funds to reopen the existing underground mine. Uh, and so the, the requirement on cash effectively is offset. So that, that won't be a change. And we've still got plenty of results still coming through. And then once the underground's open, then we'll put it on the underground rig and revert back to three rigs. Just a, a matter of general interest. If um, 
I was to come and work there, would I be able to reside in Tucson or? You could, that'd be great. How long does it take to drive in from Tucson? It'd be great to have you on that team, Barry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now all our people um, live in Tucson. It's about uh, a bit over an hour from Tucson itself up to the mine. Uh, Our people live in um, some caravans up on site and there's a local town there called Oracle. Um, There's another town nearby called San Manuel. So there's, but yeah, no, they they live in town and, um, uh, not doing FIFO, uh, what we typically do in Australia. Anyone ever gets a chance? Tucson's a lovely place to visit. I've done it a couple of times over the years. Um, certainly a nice dry, if you like dry air, that's the place to go. Um, all right then. So, Tim, if you could just uh, bring it all together and give investors a feel for uh, what they should be looking out for in 2022. So 2022, I think it's going to be a pivotal year for us. Um, we're, we're starting to really see the fruits of our uh, drilling, you know, and the rapid expansion of this resource. So it's all pulling together towards feasibility studies. We've seen a, a 36% increase in our resource off the back of 59 holes. The next resource will have over 100 holes in it uh, towards the back half of this year. You know, we're looking at other acquisitions and building our land position in the area too. So watch out to see if anything could uh, eventuate on that front. We'll be underground drilling, so that's going to really start increasing our drilling productivity and our drilling efficiency, and it's setting ourselves up, in uh, in my mind, to be a great future operation, mining high-grade copper near the surface in a very low-emission uh, manner, which is something we haven't really spoken about. But the reason it is because it's close to the surface, uh, it doesn't require you know the big diesel trucks necessarily to pull it out of the ground. So we're quite unique on that front. So there we go, folks. Very interesting story. So when thinking uh, about how to gain exposure to uh, $4.60 copper, probably need to start thinking beyond Sandfire and Oz Minerals and have a look at Eagle Mountain. So with that, Tim, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. No worries. Thanks very much, Barry, and to the listeners. Cheers.